0: Hey, gang, it's been forever since we talked about the 80s cruise. It's still on. It's set for March 6th through 12th, 2022, on the Royal Caribbean Mariner of the Seas, sailing from Port Canaveral to Nassau, St. Thomas, and St. Martin. The bands, it's all about the bands. For 2022, The Human League, 38 Special, Berlin, Berlin to Carlisle, Morris Day and the Time, ABC dire straits legacy modern english i'm running out of breath jack russell's great white john caffrey and the beaver brown band a flock of seagulls the alarm the sugar hill gang john parr and johnny hates jazz also performing i'm seriously running out of breath these lists they can't get any longer Jesse's Girl, the ultimate 80s trivia band from New York City, and Strange Love, a Depeche Mode tribute band. And, of course, the party band, Trial by Fire. Still not enough? How about the original MTV VJs, Mark Goodman, Alan Hunter, and Nina Blackwood, along with Sirius XM first wave DJ Larry the Duck. Oh, and also me and Brad will be there doing live podcasts and hosting all your trivia sessions. You can get $200 in cabin credit if you use the promo code STUCK when booking. You must be a first-time guest on the cruise to use this promo code, and you must use it when you book. Come with us and have a great time. These are the cruises. These are the vacations that you never forget. Now on with the show. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks.
1: Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. Ha ha!
0: And the technology.
1: Are you telling me you
0: built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s.
1: Can you say stuck in the 80s?
0: Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears.
1: And Brad in LA.
0: And today we get a unique perspective on the making of Top Gun from a retired Navy aviator who taught at the Miramar School when the movie was made. Good morning, gentlemen. The temperature is 110
1: degrees. Holy shit, it's Viper! vipers up here great stuck in the 80s is now listener supported via patreon join us for vip zoom happy hours and more when you join at patreon.com stuck in the 80s podcast
2: i gotta send somebody from this squadron to miramar i gotta do something here I, I, I still can't believe it i gotta give you your dream shot i'm gonna send you up against the best
0: you two characters are going to top gun yay we're going to top gun wait what
1: um. Wait. Are you the pilot or am I the pilot? I,
0: I'm definitely the pilot.
1: Oh, but, okay. Well, uh, so I'm. Can, I get to die. I get to die in the canopy accident. Okay. Well, I'll get my affairs in order. Can you grow a mustache in time? I am facially hair challenged.
0: Okay. Well, I, I'll, I'll. I will die in it'll, the canopy accident. Okay.
1: It'll be okay. No, I can do it. I can do it. It's. It's fine. I don't mind. I, actually, I worked on a project right near Miramar a couple years ago. It is no longer a naval base. It is a Marine Air Base now. Oh, okay. Yeah. One of the guys that I was working with was like, yeah, it's a Marine base now. You know, the Marines get all the cast-offs from the Navy when they're done with them, and it's no good anymore. I'm like, oh yeah, Miramar, that name's worth nothing.
0: She's lost that loving feeling. She's lost... La- no, she hasn't. Yes, she has. She's not lost that... Lo- She's lost it, Matt. Come on. Here's here's how he landed this interview this week. So, as you might remember, during the summer, we turned 15 years old, the podcast, not not our biological units. And a couple papers wrote it up. And one of the papers that wrote it up was the paper here in Orlando, the Orlando Sentinel. Within days of this article appearing about Brad and I, you know, in our podcast turning 15, I get an email saying, hey, I was at Miramar when Top Gun was made. And I open it up and I read it. And it's this email from Dave Baronic, who was a Navy pilot and a Top Gun instructor in the 80s. He was stationed at Top Gun when the movie was filmed there. And he wrote a book. The book is called Top Gun Days, and it talks about his career before and after the movie. And we talked a little bit, and I I got a copy of his book, and I loved it. So we made an appointment to talk. And so the interview today is our conversation about his book, his other books that he's got. He's got three books out now. But we talk a lot, obviously, about Top Gun. And we talk a little bit about his career in the Navy. And one thing that he's going to talk about early on is a very scary accident that happened in the early 80s when his jet fighter failed to stop when landing on the deck of an aircraft carrier and then he and the pilot had like literally 1 second to eject before the
1: plane plunged into the sea it's a crazy story like if you ever thought <laughs> oh what sort of situation could i find myself in that my life would flash before my eyes i don't think he even had time for that no during the interview we'll talk about the movie production how it affected
0: him and his fellow instructors and the pilots at Miramar and my favorite part of the interview, he'll help debunk and confirm a couple of long held urban legends about the movie Top Gun. It is a fun conversation. It's about 23 minutes long. When we're done, we'll have some seggies and more importantly, the seggies will include a contest to win (gasps) one of five five autographed uh,
1: copies of his book. Nice. Sound good. I'm, I'm, 100% all in even if I'm not eligible (laughs) do you feel the need the need to podcast every week my friend except last week when my mouth was full of dentist's hands
0: god it's a story for another episode but in the meantime sit back and enjoy this conversation with retired navy pilot and top gun instructor dave baronic Hey, Veronica, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. Okay, thanks for having me, Steve. Hey, first I have to say, I just finished your book, Top Gun Days. I enjoyed it immensely. And the only thing that was better than reading your book was going to your website and finding out that there are two more books now, before Top Gun Days and Top Count Rio.
2: Yes, those are, uh, you know, Top Gun Days was my first book. And if you enjoyed reading it immensely, you can imagine how much I
0: enjoyed living it. Oh, I can't imagine. Um, I'm tempted to ask you, where you first got interested in flying, but now I kind of almost want to ask you, how did you get so good at writing?
2: Uh, (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) I should hire you as my agent. (laughs) Uh, You know, that first book, Top Gun Days, I spent a lot of time writing it out. My wife was my first editor, and she's a very good critic. She gave me good, useful criticism. And then I rewrote it several times while waiting, while looking for a publisher. And then uh, on my newest book, Cat Rio, which is actually my favorite, uh, I'm working with a new editor, and he he's really good. He he adds a nice zip to the uh, the whole story.
0: Oh, great! So I, I'm a lifelong um, person who's always been interested in flying, and I actually tried to get my pilot's license in 2000 and failed miserably. Um, so I I'm, so I always have to ask you or anybody who else I meet who's interested in flying, you know, what was it that first you got you interested in it?
2: I would have to say, in my case, uh, it it came from my dad. He took us to air shows. I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, and my dad liked airplanes, and there were always good air shows in Jacksonville. And he took us. In. I wish I could remember a specific event or person, but it just had to be those air shows. It's thinking back. It's a uh, it's just, came up with when I was about ten to twelve years old.
0: For for my generation, movies like uh, the Final Countdown and Top Gun and and maybe even Officer and Gentleman, kind of gave people my age like the the first bug of dreaming of flying jets. I'm I'm curious did did movies or Hollywood have an influence on you as well? Was that sort of kind of what nudged you in the in the direction?
2: maybe. No. no, I'll tell you what. I, when I was uh, I was born in 1958, so when I came up with this, it was you know, about 1969 or 70, something like that. And there were no aviation movies. I mean, I remember my dad taking us to see the Blue Max uh, with George Papard. And uh, I thought it was pretty boring because I didn't like biplanes. I mean, I'm a jet guy. <laughs> so I, I wish I could pinpoint what it was. And and uh, there's no help. I'm one of five children. And so I a few years ago, I asked my mom if she remembered uh, what, got me interested in airplanes and she goes, Dave, I don't remember that. And I, because now she's concerned with the grandchildren, not my, not my kids. I don't, but my, one of my brothers has grandchildren for her. So, so that, that inspiration is lost to history.
0: My my dad took me to see Midway. I remember it might've been the first movie he ever took me to see. And all it convinced me was that under no circumstances was I ever going to join the Navy. <laughs>
2: Have you seen the new Midway, the recent one that came out, I guess, last year? I did. Year? I did. I liked it. I liked it. Pretty spectacular.
0: Yeah. I think I think the movie's actually longer than the battle was, though. <laughs> I'll
2: tell you what. You know, I'm not, I am not a big history buff. Even though I was in the military and I was an F-14 Rio, uh, I'm not a history buff. But I read a great book about the me- Battle of Midway, and it's just amazing uh,
0: how that, you know, I mean, that
2: changed the course of the war. So,
0: yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It, that's why it resonates. That's why you you see it being remade yeah. some, you know, 40 or 50 years later. Yeah. So your first book, Top 10 Days, chronicles your start in the Navy and the beginning of your flying career. And it also reveals one pretty scary moment you had one afternoon when you were trying to land on the Constellation. Uh, you had to eject when your plane wasn't able to stop on the deck. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would love to hear like – How often does that memory still pop up on a daily basis? That's a good
2: question because because for years after it happened, I realized that I was thinking about this every day. I would think about it at least once a day. And then after a few years, I realized, uh, you know, I didn't think about it for a few days. So I guess it's, you know, faded a little bit with age. It happened in 1981. And that's part of the reason I'm on your show stuck in the eighties because we'll get to the big thing. But that happened in 1981 and in the eighties is when I did most of my best flying.
0: So, and that was a, a
2: training or checkout cruise, right? No, that was an operational deployment. We were, uh, you know, even though there's, you know, no combat going on uh, all the time. I mean, there there has been recently, but, uh, the Navy was doing operational deployments of seven and a half months, um, Ever since the end of World War Two, uh, you know, and and so when I when this happened, we were on the USS constellation in the middle of the Indian Ocean. And we were out there uh, to to exercise with allies to reassure allies uh, to uh, keep peace in the sea lanes by showing American interest, and also to let Iran know that, you know, we're here. So <laughs> There was no combat in 1981-82, but uh, we, were, we were out there on a deployment.
0: I, I think what's so interesting, when you tell that story in the book, you, you take what is a very, I don't know if it's a scientific process or a mathematical process of what it takes to fire a jet off a catapult and what it takes to arrest a, a jet when it lands back on the deck, and it boils down to the, the plane's weight. And yes. that's what was off when the plane landed.
2: Yes. It was off by a huge factor. I mean, there's, you know, there's some slop in the system and although not really very much, they tell us, you know, look, try to get your weight to within a hundred pounds, a hundred pounds in an airplane that, that when it lands, it weighed 51,800 pounds. Yeah. Uh, so that's a very small percentage. But um, the day we landed, the guy who was supposed to set that arresting cable uh, was a trainee. He was not qualified and his supervisor just lost track of events and was doing maintenance. And before anybody knew it, our planes were coming in. Uh, there were some backup systems. They failed. So a lot of things fell into place to uh, set us up for that uh, ejection.
0: I mean, you ejected within a couple of seconds of that plane hitting the water.
2: Oh, well, we ejected. The plane landed on the flight deck and caught the cable. And uh, immediately, the pilot and I knew something was wrong. And I was, I was a pretty new guy, but I could, but I could tell. And what was wrong was uh, as soon as we caught the cable, there's all these valves and stuff are supposed to to gradually slow you down. But we were so much heavier than the way the valves were set for that they just blew up. The, the machinery just failed, and really it did blow up. Uh, luckily, nobody was hurt. And anyway, so uh, then the, the cable just let go. So we got slowed down a little bit. Then we went rolling down the flight deck. And we had about one second to make our decision uh, to pull the handle. So I was thinking about this and I, I enjoyed writing it in the book because I could write all these thoughts and everything. Uh, and I was thinking, you know, and, and so, Steve, have you ever been in a car accident?
0: A couple. Yeah, sure.
2: Okay. So did your brain go into a time distortion? Oh, yeah. It's Where- crazy. Yes. So that happened to me. During the ejection, my, I was thinking of a whole bunch of things. And one of my thoughts was, if I pull this handle, there's no going back. And, you know, if if we'd had more than a second, I would have quickly realized, yes, we have to eject. But we really had a second to make that decision. And so I was very fortunate that my pilot made the decision, and he said, eject, eject. And as soon as he said that first E, I pulled the handle. <laughs> And then, so we came out of the plane just as it went over the end of the flight deck. And uh, then I splashed into the water right next to the airplane. Wow.
0: Yeah, it's a great story. I mean, it it just, you could make, you could make a movie about that. I I was, I was so, I was so caught up in it. I was telling my fiance, like, you you won't believe what just happened in this book. (laughs) She, she loved the stories that I told about it so much that I have to, I, uh, when I when I leave her uh, in a couple of weeks, I, I leave. She asked me to leave the book behind because she wants to read it next. That's, You're leaving your fiance? Uh, well, she lives in New York and I live in Florida. Oh, oh just temporary, okay? Because I was saying, <laughs> wait a minute, we're going
2: to have to change this interview, and I'm going to ask <laughs> you questions. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's a,
0: your book changed my life that much that. that. <laughs>
2: You're joining the Navy, okay? Yeah.
0: Cool. I they have a high need for 53-year-olds who are in terrible physical condition. That I'm, that I'm game. Okay, the video is on, uh, is on YouTube also. Oh, it's on my website. Okay, I'll check Sorry. it out. I didn't realize that I was on your website. I didn't see it, but I have to. I have a, to look. There's a page of flying videos, and it's on there. Okay. When when you talk about the movie Top Gun, your book, my first surprise is that the instructors and the team at the the Navy Fighter School seemed kind of unfazed by the opportunity like you know not not overly impressed or not overly affected was thank you
2: (laughs) thank you that is the understatement of the year but it's true and and the reason I say thank you is because uh I've heard one person say that you know Dave was starstruck and I'm going man if you if you got that out of the book you weren't reading it carefully but we we really were whatever yeah. and i'll tell you why we were top gun instructors and we were and before the movie introduced that turn to the whole world people in the fighter aviation community knew what it was all about and as instructors we had a lot of responsibility and uh but once you get qualified it is great to have that responsibility because you're you know you're an expert uh, you have to live up to high standards in every event, but it's just like, I mean, you're flying jet fighters. So, yeah, so we had uh, full, enjoyable lives, and these movie people came along, and we're thinking,
0: you know, it was a little sideshow. And and it filmed gradually, so it, it, it seemed like the, the, the production went from from location to location, and sort of eventually they arrive in Miramar. That's true.
2: Exactly correct. Because And, and uh, we had a couple of liaison officers who who took the phone calls and put in extra time working on the movie uh, and also we would read about it in the uh, san diego union although there were there were very small articles because uh, tom cruise wasn't even very famous so they'd have a little blurb you know uh, that tom cruise is filming a scene here or whatever
0: when it when it does finally arrive there and the actors are now finally they walking around do you Do you remember which actors picked your brain the most? Like which one seemed the most curious about what it's really like to be a Top Gun? No, that
2: is, and that is another piece of evidence that we just really didn't care. Uh, I talked to a few of them. I mean, in the the aftermath and Tom Cruise emerged as a star, it was easy to recall that we, you know, I talked to him as did all the instructors Uh, in that, that scene described in the book where all the instructors are most of the instructors met a lot of the actors at a bar. Right. And I think it was a Tuesday afternoon and sat there for an hour, hour and a half uninterrupted, you know, just talking. And I, I think we just like circulated. It was kind of like a networking event. We all, the the pilots and Rios were circulating through all the actors, answering questions, telling stories and stuff like that. So nobody stands out in my mind. Uh, I mean, one day I went out, to the, I was at the Top Gun squadron, and somebody said, "You know, bio. Some actors want to see how to climb into an F-14." So I go, "Yeah, I'll show them." So because there's a correct way to to you know which foot you put on the ladder first and all that.
0: It's the it's the left foot if you're the Rio. It's or it's the left. I remember reading. I, remember, I almost put this to memory. I almost know this book as well as you do, but <laughs> I, but I remember it's a different it's a different sequence if you're a Rio than if you're the pilot.
2: Right, because when you get to the top step one guy goes one way and the other guy goes the other way. And yeah. so you, you don't want to have to shuffle your feet on the top ladder because that would look like a new guy and people <laughs> would look at you and go, dude, you're climbing into a jet fighter and you don't know how to get into it.
0: There's a photo I saw, I think it was on your website, that has you, your wife, and Anthony Edwards. And it's, it's uncanny how you and Anthony Edwards kind of look the same. You both have you were both a Rio. Was, I, hear was... that, I hear that about once a week. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I don't see it, but,
2: <laughs> but I hear that a lot. So I guess, no, I, that's okay. You're, you, I'm, you know, I don't take offense.
0: You've aged better than he has.
2: <laughs> uh, you know, I saw him. Uh, at, we both were invited to uh, the Syracuse, New York air show about uh, three years ago, I think it was. And he was the, uh, the master of ceremonies. And I was, you know, the, uh, the uh, color guy on the side. And he's a very nice guy. He's doing well.
0: And uh, it was fun hanging out with him for a couple of days. Yeah. I mean, at that point, his career was was probably much larger than Tom's. Uh, Well,
2: I don't know. You know, Tom Cruise has had this fantastic uh, movie career. But Anthony Edwards starred in ER for many years. Yeah. So
0: I'll take either career. Um, Now, there's a lot of urban legends that surround – uh, the movie, and I, I want to see if how many of them we can debunk okay, both Anthony Edwards and Val Kilmer claimed to be the only actor who didn 't vomit while in a jet who 's telling the truth
2: who now i don 't know how big your audience is, and i don 't want to get in <laughs> trouble with Val Kilmer, but my recollection was he did not go for a flight.
0: oh wow, okay, well, then that would mean yeah, so <laughs> he did not vomit in a jet,
2: yeah. Uh, yeah. On the other hand, Anthony Edwards, right, is widely known as the guy who did not get sick. Okay. Well, that's been confirmed.
0: That's, yeah. that's interesting. Now this one I, ju- I just read about today and it, it kind of baffles me. Uh, Rick Rosevick, uh in the DVD commentary said he was kicked off one of the aircraft carriers because he uh, smarted off to an officer. Uh, he had gone to sleep in a bunk that he didn't like and he moved and an officer kind of kicked him out and, uh, uh, Roosevelt gave him some back talk, and apparently the captain ordered him thrown off the ship for disrespect what do you th- Would that really happen to you if you smarted off to an officer on a carrier, even as a guest
2: uh, that to me that seems unlikely but certainly possible so <laughs> i i 'm fifty fifty on that i don 't know
0: yeah you certainly end up in captain 's mast, which is the only which is <laughs> something i 've only learned after watching the 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 p b s series carrier so. uh,
2: yeah. Wait till you read my, uh, my new book, Tomcat Rio. It talks about Captain's Mast when I was the captain, which is, which is uh, I, was, I was not the rank of a captain, but as the skipper of a squadron, uh, I conducted Captain's Mast.
0: Oh, okay, God, I can't wait to read so, that. Um, there's also an urban legend yes. that uh, at Miramar, once the movie came out, anyone at the school would have to pay a fine for quoting any lines from the movie. Is that true?
2: Yes. <laughs> and that happened after I left. Uh, because uh, the movie, we filmed the movie in 1985, and I was a Top Gun instructor. It came out in 1986, and everybody was, you know, kind of amused by it, all of it. And then I left Top Gun in uh, February 1987. So uh, there was no $5 fine at that time, but uh, yeah, I've heard that so many places. And in fact, uh, another Top Gun instructor who recently wrote a book, uh, Guy Snodgrass, he justifies it as saying this is serious business and Top Gun is a, a serious school, which is true. And they don't want people turning it into a punchline or making light of it. Uh, so, and, and, you know, and that's the way we felt. I mean, I, I, I have a good time with my Top Gun experience and uh, stuff like that. But hopefully you got this in the book. We were very serious about our work and, uh, and what we did.
0: Now, here's the question. I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but, I, but I've got to know, because this is probably going to be the only time I ever get to talk to a former Top Gun instructor, especially one who was there at the, at the making of the movie and who knows the movie so well. There've got to be some moments in the movie that Navy aviators really roll their eyes around in disbelief about how Hollywood got it all wrong. What, what, what are the top moments? for? I'll, top tell gun- you, I'll tell you a couple of them.
2: Uh, one is whenever they are in the air and they say, never leave your wingman. Uh, that was not the way we flew tactics. Uh, we did not f- go into combat, simulated in combat or real combat in formation, and that's what they portray in the movie okay um, yeah, so what what we did is we we almost always would deploy fighters at least two at a time, uh two or four, and we wanted the the flight lead and the wingman to stick together but they didn't fly in formation they stayed within visual range of each other and all kinds of other tactical fine points and another one is uh, uh how close they flew we and i i personally said that to uh the director tony scott which you may remember i said tony they're flying too close he goes dave it's not a documentary <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I think, did you have, didn't they have to get an exception from, like, the Admiral to allow them to fly that close? And it was basically only because they knew it was choreographed. I mean, if it, it wasn't real combat. You guys were kind of doing a choreographed routine. So under those circumstances and those circumstances only, were you allowed to fly that close? close? That's right.
2: Yep, that's it. And uh, when we did our combat training, you know, I mean, in real combat, when jets are sh- shooting at each other and trying to fighting against enemy, There's no rules like that, you know, but in training, uh, the Navy established uh, about, I think, 16 rules or 18, whatever it is, uh, uh, to control training flights for safety so that guys don't get so aggressive and, and start, you know, breaking airplanes and stuff unnecessarily. And so one of them is you can't get too close to another airplane because you might cause a collision, but just like you said, uh, and so, but anyway, so that was our frame of reference, those distances that we used in the training rules. And so when we started filming this movie, we started with that frame of reference, but then we go, well, wait a minute, we're not in a dynamic training, you know, realistic training flight. We're in a carefully choreographed uh, movie film.
0: So, yeah, so it worked out. One thing that uh, I read about in the book that I really appreciated is the whole matter of Goose's Death. Spoiler alert. And. <laughs> How the writers, I, how there was a consultation with your team to go over how a Rio might die in an accident but not the pilot. I mean, that's,
2: it's a little bit of a story, so I will just tell people that the the, the, uh, the situation in the movie is loosely based on something that actually happened and could plausibly have resulted in the Rio's death. And And the reason they did that is that in the script they go, somebody's going to have to die in this movie to, to hook the audience. And it's not going to be Tom Cruise.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> Sorry, Goose. <laughs> yeah. so, let's, let's fast forward, if we can, to, to the upcoming sequel. Surely you've seen the trailers by now. What's, what's your reaction to what you see so far? Uh,
2: okay, Steve. If I had a good reason, I would trash talk the sequel, but I don't. I looked at the trailers and i go, Wow, that's pretty good stuff. <laughs> so what I think is uh I I think they've put a lot of thought and effort into making it exciting realistic flying. And I think a lot of that credit based on what I've heard and seen in the in the trailers and in the behind the scenes that have come out is go, credit goes to Tom Cruise. So
0: as a retired aviator what would you want the best ending to be to the maverick saga what if, if you if you you're a writer now you you get to to concoct an ending it not, it doesn't have to be fully formed out but off the top of your head how do you how do you see it what would be a, would you want a realistic ending do you want a hollywood ending do you
2: no i think the best thing is uh Maverick retires and opens up a fish camp in uh, <laughs> <laughs> a bait and tackle shop something like that no i don't I don't know, Steve, you know, and, and the reason I, you know, when you started asking me this question, I'm going, Oh my gosh, I started thinking of all the aviators that I've served with over the years and, and all those that have retired and they've, they've gone on to all kinds of different things. And I can't, you know, it's yeah, I, I can't, <laughs> sorry. Maybe I just don't have the imagination to answer that question. <laughs>
0: That's okay. Um, the, uh, do you think you'll get an, will you go on opening weekend and see it? Are you, Will it be a must-see for you right off the bat? Uh,
2: I, I'm I'm fortunate because I'm with a group. I, I'm I'm a member of a group of retired Navy uh, pilots and NFOs here in the in the Space Coast, and uh, one of our guys has already contacted theater to try to arrange for us to get <laughs> to get in on the opening day. Um, I don't. I will not get an, an official invitation because. Uh, And that doesn't bother me because I'm, you know, I'm retired uh, and they're going to be busy taking care of the guys that are actually flying today, you know, and and flew in the movie. Those are the guys who should be in the spotlight for this one. But yeah, I want to go see it. Yes. I want to (laughs) go see it. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Hey Dave, this has been a great conversation. I I really appreciate it. And uh, you're, I I kid you not that you, you spin a story and you spin your history so well. Uh, It's, Really looking forward to reading the other books.
2: Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Um, Thanks for having me on your show. Um, I think that, you know, I was a part of 80s culture. I'm happy for that and happy to tell the story. So thanks for having me.
0: Hey, there we go. That's our interview with Dave Beranek. By the way, in case you're wondering, his uh, call sign is bio. And I never quite, it, it took me a couple seconds to put it together. Why is call sign is uh, bio. Baronic, his last name sounds like bionic.
1: And oh, so the short version kind of that of
0: is bio.
1: Yeah. Time frame fits. Yeah. So while you gentle listeners were listening to that interview, uh, Steve and I did this thing that we call research and we researched the location of, of Top Gun School after it left Miramar. It is now, are you ready for this, Steve? Please tell me. It is now at Naval Air Station Fallon in Western Nevada. It moved there in 1996. I'm not quite sure why there are naval stations in landlocked states, but hey, you got to have someplace to fly those planes. Nevada's a pretty good spot. No, it's a perfect
0: spot because there's no, I imagine there's not a lot of towns around there. So I'm, I'm guessing it's, you got a
1: lot of space to fly without,
0: endangering people
1: yeah it's a good spot for it because there's a lot of nothing out there
0: a lot of creosote bush there used to be a coast guard station or a navy station in orlando which is landlocked for the most part and they closed it i don't know 30 years ago and turned it into like this master planned community called baldwin baldwin park which you've been there because you visited me in orlando so, that whole area that I lived in used to be a military base. Huh. Interesting. When I listened to that interview again, I, I really enjoyed it. Even, even listening to it the second time it was as much fun as doing it. It. I'm still impressed and intrigued by the idea that how people in the base and the instructors weren't really all that phased by the uh, movie crew. I mean, their job yeah. in their minds, and, and rightfully so, you know, a 100 times more important than making a movie
1: yeah oh, oh, you take pictures twenty four <laughs> pictures per second. that's almost as many bullets as I shoot in a second <laughs> yeah. hmm. while flying in this rocket that's kept in the air by a computer and this weird thing called lift and drag okay, yeah, you you make your little movie that's cool, yeah, I was like, oh, that is so great. I love that part,
0: yeah, uh, I was also happy to hear, and I didn't know it before I talked to him that he had other that he had two other books. Uh, I'll be reading those next. they are. Before Top Gun Days, The Making of a Jet Fighter Instructor. I think the brand new book is called Tomcat Rio, a Top Gun Instructor on the F-14 Tomcat and the Heroic Naval Aviators Who Flew It.
1: can't believe you promised your copy of that book to your fiance. What am I, chopped liver? (laughs) You can have it after that. Okay. She better not be drawing little hearts over all the eyes and stuff. That's all I'm saying. Yeah.
0: If you want to read more about uh, Dave and see some of the unpublished photos that he did not include in the book and some of the videos that he has available. He has his own website. It's www.topgunbio.com. Nice. Top Gun Maverick, the sequel to Top Gun, now tentatively set for a July 2nd, 2021 release in theaters uh it's obviously been pushed back a number of times due to the pandemic
1: i have to say i had the exact same reaction i was so pleased at his reaction to the trailer because i went into that trailer maybe we've talked about this i'm like really are are we really doing this and i pull up the trailer and i'm like huh holy shit this looks great where can i get a ticket good for you whoever cut that trailer good for you i'm in they're not going to do it half ass. I mean, they, you, when you have this name. Oh yeah, book, Hollywood you know, never just just <laughs> checks, you know, just checks the box and throws it at the wall. That never. No, happened. I mean,
0: not not Greece with all. Now two is <laughs> no.
1: I mean, not
0: bad. I'm thinking more like meatballs, two, or okay. Police Academy two, Police Police Academy seventeen. Yeah, jeez. Uh yeah. The, the pandemic pushes it back, but you know what can't be pushed back? The, the seggies. seggies.
1: What's up? happening hot stuff ah oh, by the sound of the gong it must be time for mystery movie moment. steve what does that mean it means that we played a movie clip a couple of
0: weeks ago and people wrote in uh if they got it right there we're entered into a drawing for some postal friendly bottle openers oh what
1: luck <laughs> pay
0: attention here's the clip from last time it's good to see
1: you good seeing you you know i said to jerome jerome i said that sure looks like marcus's van our old team van
0: Yep, that's American Flyers. Yeah. It's a yeah. good movie. One of Kevin Costner's first. Not his very first, because that would have probably been Silverado, right? Yes,
1: you'll, you'll notice I used this in the Silverado show. Yeah. Great show. Anyways, who are some of the winners? Winners this week include Brock in North Dakota, Joseph Perdue, DJ and Clinton, Lisa Barrett, Kevin Serving Wench, Lou, Sweet Lou Greeley, Mike from the Sloats, and Todd in Minnesota, who writes american flyers i see it's available to rent on multiple streaming platforms for 2.99 but i had to laugh at roku's description of it a dropout david grant and his doctor brother kevin costner prove something in a three-day rocky mountain bicycle race prove something they prove something (laughs) they can ride bikes they prove that you it is legal to run across the line carrying your bike is that true uh, I have no idea, but in the movie, it's true. I know it happens in the movie, but I mean, you'd think I, I think it's okay. You just have to get across with the bike. I don't know. I'll, I'll look into that uh, yeah. on my other podcast, Bike Racing Today. You, you'd think that the Roku would have mentioned that the Virgin Connie Swale gets her groove on in this one too. Is you know she shows up? Oh, that's right, at a McDonald's. Actually,
0: <laughs> that movie meant a lot to me as a, as a as a very young man. <laughs>
1: oh, Becky, they're playing our song.
0: Yeah. So here's the deal. Normally, um, at this point, we'd play a new movie clip, but what we're going to do this week, we're going to save it, and during Name That 80s Tune, we're going to have a combination movie-music montage. So I'll explain it more in a minute. <laughs> so keep your powder dry, trivia yeah, folks. Exactly. I don't know where the gun analogies are coming up, but I guess it's the whole Top Gun thing, so we'll we'll just go with it. We'll see how this all ends up somewhere, somewhere between the cutting room and your frontal lobe is my, my guess. Mm. Ah, The mystical refrain that is named that eighties tune. As always, we play a clip of a song from the eighties. If you get it right, you're in into the drawing for the postal friendly bottle opener. And we had a lot of winners this week. Not a lot. We mm. couple pretty well, did pretty well. For, for such an obvious song, well, I guess I'm, I'm bearing the lead. I guess I should play this song. Here we go. Here was the clip from a couple episodes ago. That's You Give Good Love by Whitney Houston. Yeah, I, you'd think we'd have about 30 winners.
1: Uh, yeah, well, I tried to pick a, you know, not an obvious chunk of the song, but I just, I was looking at the charts for the week I was pulling the song from, and I'm like, Whitney Houston, we never, we never yeah. do much Whitney Houston stuff around here. And, uh, is she underappreciated? I don't know. She certainly isn't part of the conversation since she kind of, the death is tragic. The marriage to Bobby Brown, a lot of people didn't understand. I honestly, I don't understand it, but I, I think. If you set that aside and just listen to her voice, oh, oh my gosh!
0: Yeah, you're probably getting a standing ovation from uh, the future wife by saying that.
1: I I, I, I know who I know who's <laughs> in the balconies to pander to here. Come on, this is not my first rodeo.
0: I would agree with you. I, I would say I don't think she's underappreciated by '80s fans. I think she's underrepresented
1: on our podcast. Yeah, but, that's probably true. I mean, I don't. I'm not saying we need to do a big Whitney Houston four part retrospective but you know I just thought you know what this is an easy way throw a couple seconds of her song in there we get to talk about her first sure remember I, Whitney Houston oh <laughs> oh I, I think what people forget sometimes is is that the,
0: the shows that we think are better that we do are ones that we have some sort of personal connection with the topic right and So when someone says, oh, you know, you should do a show about cartoons in the 80s. Well, Brad and I didn't watch cartoons in the 80s. We watched cartoons in the
1: 70s. Yeah, let's talk about Hong Kong Fooey. You know what I mean? Scatman Crothers, come on. And the cat that does all the work. And Sigmund and the Sea Monsters
0: and, you know. Super Friends. Super Friends, Laugh Olympics. I mean, 70s, but but 80s, no, I, I didn't watch cartoons in the 80s. I'm sorry.
1: Anyway, we did have some winners, and so we should go about listing them. Yes. Would you like me to do that, Steve? Please. Here we go. Winners this week include Dan and in Omaha, Joseph purdue Tommy in Boston, Crispy Critter, Lisa Barrett, Kevin wench Lou Sweet Lou Grilly, Dave Parrot, Rx Gator, Steven Ventura, Keith LaFever, Dave from an undisclosed location, and Andrea Crava. Isn't that Andrea Crava? Uh she tells me that it's Andrea,
0: <laughs> not Andrea. <laughs> okay. Let's spin the wheel and find out who won for this episode before we get to the new challenge. You You ready? Give it a whirl. I'm ready. I've been, I'm rested up. Oh, geez. You didn't pull any stitches there, did you?
1: No, no. They'll they'll dissolve on their own. (laughs) Or so I'm told.
0: Yeah. Everything dissolves on its own, my friend.
1: (laughs) Good point. Good point. Give it enough time. And it looks like it's going to land on
0: Lisa Barrett. You are this week's winner. So email us your postal address, and we'll get some Swaggerino out to you soon. Here we go. Lay it on me, Spearsy. This week's challenge is actually a music montage. We're going to play five Kenny Loggins songs that are featured on 80s soundtracks. You have to name the movies and the song titles to win. In order. In order? In order. The movies? The name of the song, the movie. And the song The titles? name of the song and the movie. I will spot you the artist. It
1: is oh, Kenny Loggins. What a guy. Yay. We love Kenny Loggins.
0: Because Kenny Loggins was obviously so pivotal to the soundtrack of Top Gun. Anyway, here's the point. Uh, for added incentive for this challenge, we're going to give away more than one prize. <gasps> more than one prize? We're going to give away five... Autographed copies of Dave baronic's book *Top Gun Days*. Uh, we'll choose the winners from the from the pool of people who get the challenge right. Everyone following so far?
1: Yeah, you don't have to I write this it. down. You can just hit so, rewind. Kenny Loggins soundtrack songs. There's a montage of clips. You, gentle listener, must submit the name of the movie and the song title in the order they appear in the clip. So don't just send us like a list of all that. That's not going to do it.
0: Some are obvious, some are less than obvious. All are from the 80s. He did so he did have some work in the 90s. So, hopefully I didn't screw up and do that. But are you ready? We'll, we'll yes. play it a couple times, but by all means keep downloading the podcast every time. We need the dues. <laughs> My favorite line. Anyway, here we go. You get it? I mean, there's a couple in there that's like, "Oh, I know that," and then there's a couple you "Right." Like, "Where?" And we won't. Here we go. One more time. Okay, there you go. Five Kenny Loggins songs from '80s soundtracks. Uh, if you play pick-
1: it backwards, it'll tell you Steve Spears'
0: uh, Yahoo password. <laughs> I don't even know my Yahoo password. It's uh, it's one of those things. I have to change it every time I access it. It's sad. I I've, I've become, I've become my, my mom. Anyway, if you know them, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. And uh, tune in a couple of weeks. We'll find out who are getting the uh, autographed copies of Top Gun Days.
1: It's a book I really enjoy. I think you will too. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Dead Mother, this is X-Ray Tango 127. We're at Angels 11, bearing zero, nine, zero, over. Nice going, Mustang. Maneuvers completed. Relax and, uh, one won't be. Roger, Dead Mother. Great. What's the problem, Mustang? No
2: problem. Trouble with your refreshment system? Uh, negative.
0: There's one diet cola with a taste that's turning the world upside down. Diet Pepsi, the choice of a new generation. And we're back. We have just a few
1: minutes left. We have some people we need to thank. We do, Steve. It's been a little while. I I apologize for that. We're kind of we've been a little behind the curtain here. We've been recording a little out of sequence. We're getting a little bit ahead, which means sometimes these things aren't as fresh, but you know, the content may not be as fresh as you'd like, but the feelings are just as heartfelt. So, Give us a minute here. We just want to give a shout out to our new Patreon supporters. Stop it. Steven, I really appreciate the support. It it helps us cover the costs, produce the show, and it helps keep things going, which is fantastic. So just sit back for a second while we give a big old stuck in the 80s long distance high five to Michael Dodd, Chuck Coverley, Christopher Vern Varney, Joe Herbers, Kevin Isaacson, Nate Chops Johnson, Janice Plazak, Dennis Elliott, Katie, Todd Elliott, and Mark from Boston. Yay. Yeah, a couple quick notes. The Katie on this list is not my long suffering wife, but another person of the same name. And we do not have any word yet at this time as to whether Dennis Elliott and Todd Elliott are in fact related. <laughs> Regardless, thank you to all of you. It really does mean the world to us.
0: Yes. And we really do enjoy having our monthly happy hours on Zoom. It's always a good chance to uh Brad usually does does an interactive trivia quiz.
1: And oh, I guess I better get going on that. <laughs> we talk
0: about other stuff. We talk. We answer questions. We share stories. Um,
1: everyone marvels at how long my hair is getting. It's a good yeah, time.
0: It's it's pretty crazy long. Sometimes I show people like like little trinkets around the the lair. Like, oh, here's my that thing from uh, Rico Kasich. So, oh yeah, his last doodle. So anyway. Please check out uh, Dave Veronica's book. If you don't get a copy, it's, it's definitely worth buying. It's a fun read, especially if you love the movie. <laughs> we'll be back next week, but until then, Brad and I remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. The of...
1: Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And thanks for listening.
0: What were you doing there?
2: Communicating. Communicating. Keeping up foreign relations.
0: I was, you know, giving him the bird. You know, the finger. Yes, I know the finger, Goose. I'm I'm sorry, I hate it when it does that.